0: Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that app. So it has been quite, quite, quite busy. Mentioned all the craziness uh, yesterday with the um, emergency room visit and all that stuff. Um, got up today, recorded the rant pod for the folks on Patreon. I did a two-round mock draft for the folks on Patreon. So um, took a little bit of a break, and now we're going to record tomorrow's podcast. Somehow, I've managed to turn this into a full time job before I've left my other job. Um, I may have put the cart before the horse here. But the goal of today's podcast is going to be to look a little bit further into the Seattle Seahawks thing. I did solicit a few questions and whatnot, so we'll dive into some of that. Just kind of round it out. You know, yesterday was just kind of a sort of the rough draft. Now we got to kind of, you know, pretty it up a bit, kind of get down to the nitty gritty. Uh, Before I get too invested in that, Do want to give a shout out to Daniel. He's 10 years old and he's a big fan of Mr. Schlipp's show, which is not an easy sentence to say, so I don't know why he calls it that. But he's fighting the good fight down there in KC, doing what I used to have to do when I was 10 growing up in Illinois, dealing with Bears fans all the time. But anyways, Daniel, I appreciate you listening to the show, dude. And just be grateful that you're a fan of the best team in football, because all they can do is talk. And they're going to talk. When I was going up against Bears fans, all they did was lose, and they still talked. I'd come marching in after the Packers would beat the Bears, and all I'd hear is, Packers stink. <laughs> it's like, dude, you, you lost, though. Like, you can't do this to me today. Today's supposed to be the day that you can't do that. you got to bury your head and be like, oh, I get... No, they don't stop. And they'll never stop. But at the end of the day, your team is better, and that's all that matters. Plus, when you get older, you can, you can leave. Although I shouldn't say that. Your dad probably wants you to hang around. It's an option, though. So, first of all, let's just take a look at what they've done so far this season. Broad strokes... They have the 19th ranked offense, eighth ranked defense. Now, again, that's super broad strokes. It doesn't take into account the fact of the offensive regression due to uh, Russell Wilson missing time. Uh, also, we're just looking at points here. Uh, the eighth ranked defense is looking at, you know, again, things overall, not necessarily context of who they played, et cetera, et cetera. Now, interestingly enough, if you look at yards, This is one of the worst teams in football, offensively and defensively. They're ranked 29th in yards on offense, 31st in yards given up on defense. Zooming in a little bit on some other little interesting things, um, turnovers, they're actually number one on offense in terms of turnovers. Russell and the people that have taken over since have done a great job of not turning the ball over, but they're ranked 21st on defense. They're not taking the ball away very much either. First downs, uh, it makes perfect sense when you factor in yards. If You get a bunch of yards or give up a bunch of yards, you're getting and giving up a bunch of first downs. They're ranked 31st in getting first downs on offense, 32nd in giving up first downs on defense. They are 31st offensively and defensively in passing attempts, which is pretty staggering. Um, in other words, offensively, 31st in passing attempts, meaning they pass the ball second, less, least in the NFL now. This can be one of two things. Number one, they're running the ball a lot more. Or number two, they're just not running very many plays. The fact that they are 20th in rushing attempts means they're not running very many plays. They rank 27th in passing yards offensively, 21st in rushing yards offensively, um, 13th in passing touchdowns, 14th in in, uh, rushing touchdowns. In terms of yards, net yards per attempt passing and yards per attempt rushing, that's where you get kind of a slightly better picture. But even still, net yards per attempt passing is ninth. They rank 19th in yards per attempt rushing. So there's really nothing very impressive about the offense, and defensively isn't much better. 29th in pass yards given up. Third, worst team in football. Um, 10th in passing touchdowns given up. 28th in interceptions. 18th in net yards per attempt passing. 6.5 yards per attempt. Uh, 30th in rushing attempts because they are right. Ru- again, a lot. They cannot get off the field. This is this is definitionally a bend don't break defense. They've given up the 31st most rushing yards, the second most passed against defense, the uh, second most. Excuse me, third most rushed against defense. More third most rushing plays, second most passing plays. This defense has seen more plays against them than just about anybody. 25th most rushing yards given up, 29th most passing yards. They rank 13th in yards per attempt rushing at 4.2. Like I mentioned, they don't have the worst rush defense in the world. 4.2 is not that bad, but still 13th overall. So again, the the only real impressive thing that we looked at so far is the turnovers, offensively, in which they don't turn the ball over, and actual points. They give up a lot of yards, but not a lot of points. And one of the factors here is they are number one in the NFL in starting field position defensively meaning the opponent starting field position is at the 25.3 yard line which is number 1 meaning you're going to have to cover more ground if you're going to score more points so you can get touchdown or you can get first downs you can get yards passing and rushing and all that stuff and still not score very many points and apparently Seattle's done a decent job of that uh one of the biggest negatives that they're going to find here time of possession 29th against their defense. In other words, the opposing team, on average, a drive is 3 minutes and 5 seconds long, which ranks 29th. Offensively, their drives last 2 minutes and 19 seconds, which is dead last in the NFL. Now, if I'm the Packers, this stands out to me. All of this, everything that I've said so far stands out immensely. They cannot get off the field. Good. Good. We're going to burn their defense right to the ground. They don't have a ton of talent as it is. Now, this is even more true... If Jordan Love plays in this game, I don't have any concrete information on that. If Jordan Love plays, this is even more true. Not that I wouldn't love to just throw an 80-yard pass, get a touchdown, call it a day, and get Jordan Love off the field, but we got to wear down this defense. And apparently, everybody is wearing down this defense. On average, their defense sees 6.5 plays per drive. Offensively, it's just under five plays per drive. They are dead last in number of plays. 30th in plays that they go up against, meaning 30th worst situation. Yards per drive. On average, teams are getting 35.3 yards per drive, which ranks 26th for their defense. Offensively, they're getting 27.6 yards per drive, which is 30th. The Packers love being able to play keep away. They love when they can grind out long drives and tire out your defense. And then come the third quarter, We bring in Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon and just beat you into dust. The Packers love doing that, and the Seahawks are built to allow the Packers to do that. Likewise, the Packers' defense has been very stingy, and we're going up against an offense, and I understand that, well, Russell's been out since week five. I know, so there's three games out of eight that he hasn't played. I get that. Even still, they've had a hard time sustaining drives. If we look at some correlations here in terms of wins and losses, um, the Seattle Seahawks, if you're looking for the number that the defense sets for the offense, it's 28 points. If the offense gets to 28 points, they are 3-1. Under 28 points, they are 0-4. Now, the other way to look at this is the line is set at 20 points because there's a gap between 20 and 28. They've never scored 21, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, or 7. But 20 and under, they're 0-4. That would put the defense in a much better light, obviously. On the flip side of this, and it may give us a clearer picture of the actual number, and again, this is pointing to a picture of the offense not really doing a very good job, so maybe the lower number makes more sense, but they are winless when a team has gotten above 21 points. 23, 26, 30, and 33 they have allowed, and they lost all of those. When the defense allows 21 points or less, which is a ridiculously... Um, difficult bar. They are three and one. And maybe that's something that I should highlight here uh, before we get any further, because it's worth noting this team right now is a three and five football team. And one of those losses came when Russell Wilson was gone. So, I mean, this is a, what, two and three football team with Russell Wilson. They beat the Colts, they lost to the Titans in overtime, they lost to the Vikings 30-17, to they beat the 49ers, who we have now come to realize is a garbage football team, and then they lost to the Rams 26-17. to After that, with no Russell Wilson, they lost to the Steelers in overtime, which is actually quite close, <laughs> which, um, you know, if you're trying to make a case that with Russell we're dominant, without him, that's when we struggle, um, you almost beat the Steelers and then again, narrowly lost to the Saints, 10 to 13, and then stomped out Jacksonville without Russell. So again, it's not as though with Russell Wilson you've got a bunch of really impressive games, and then things just fell off after. No, you went two and three, and then when he left, you went one and two. It's pretty pretty similar. In fact, the only impressive win of the entire season, arguably, was last week against Jacksonville, 31 to seven. So, yeah, I don't I don't really know what else to say there. And I'm in no way trying to argue that Russell Wilson isn't that good or is overrated. I completely went the opposite direction yesterday. The point I'm making, though, is just that the team overall, the bar doesn't seem to move a ton with Russell Wilson. Because, which is we've known for a long time, if the only thing you have is Russell Wilson, things are going to continue to erode. And this is just a continuation of that. It was a period of time where the Seahawks were just seemingly a better team. I remember for a while, it was just whoever was the home team would win. That's kind of gone by the wayside. We go to Seattle and we beat Seattle. Seattle comes here, we beat Seattle. We've been better than Seattle for a while now. It's been very one-sided for quite a while because Seattle continues to slip. I mean, even common things that you'd look at and say, well, turnovers are a big factor. Um, not really. Not really. They uh, only had three games with any turnovers. They lost two of them. But that means they had one, two, three, four, five games with no turnovers, and they lost one, two, three of them. Three of five. Zero turnovers. Usually a pretty good indication that you got a good chance of winning the game if you have zero turnovers. They lost three of five. Anyways, we got a couple uh, little news and notesy things here. I guess Dominique Daphne, Kingsley Kiki, and David Bakhtiari are listed as doubtful to play this game. Kenny Clark, Eric Stokes, and Equinemius are listed as questionable. The other interesting thing here, um, saw this compliment of J.J. Leahy's Twitter. But according to Jordan Love, uh, quote, the game plan is Aaron Rodgers will be back Saturday. And as J.J. pointed out, pretty sure he wasn't supposed to let that slip, but now it's out there to the universe. It's it doesn't have to mean that he, he's definitely going to be back, but what it means is the Packers definitely think he's going to be back because they've been game planning for this. Jordan Love is telling us that the team has been preparing for Aaron Rodgers as the starting quarterback all week. It's also horrific news if he doesn't play for whatever reason because um, they have not been preparing <laughs> for Jordan Love to be playing against Seattle. So, uh some very very positive news there. Don't, don't get me wrong, there's a there's a tiny part of me that wanted Jordan Love to get another shot. I wanted to see him against a, you know, a different defense that maybe wouldn't be doing the same stuff, maybe give Matt LaFleur an opportunity at a a second chance to, you know, kind of help scheme something a little better so that if they just blitz every single time, you can kind of do something about it as opposed to sort of not doing something about it. Because now it feels like we're just going to leave it at, well, he's just no good. You know what I mean? Again, Justin Fields had his first really good game in week, what, nine? I would just be curious. But at the end of the day, 2020 season is about Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. And so as much as I'd love to have some fun little preseason experiments, we ain't doing that today. And so we need Aaron Rodgers back. We need to get some wins and um, continue on with what we've been doing, which has been pretty much just dominating everybody, especially after what happened last week. um, Because the Packers are a disliked team, um, especially now that they did not get Odell Beckham, the media would love nothing more, nothing more for them to lose to Seattle and for the Rams to, uh, you know, stomp out the 49ers so that they can just draw an Odell Beckham comparison or parallel. Say, see, had they gotten Odell Beckham, they would have beaten Seattle, and I just don't want to deal with that. And so we all just need to sit back and watch as the Packers manhandle Seattle and just hope for a miracle that the 49ers do end up beating the L.A. Rams, because that would just be glorious. To be fair, they did just score 16 points against the, uh, the Tennessee Titans, which is kind of trash. They got whooped on by the Derrick Henryless Tennessee Titans. In fact, c- can we spend just a minute on this? how good are the Rams? Seriously, how good do we know the Rams to be? We know Tennessee without Derrick Henry is, you know, decent, and they got beat pretty bad. Yeah, but they, they, they look at their record. Look how good they are. All right. Who did they beat? The week before that, they beat uh, they won pretty handily 38-22, but that was the Texans. Okay, but they won pretty handily the week before that, 28-19. That's, uh, you know, nine points. That was the Detroit Lions. Okay, but they won the week before that, 38-11. to They just crushed them. Okay, but that was the Giants. Yeah, but the week before that, they they beat uh, Seattle 26-17. Seattle also has a losing record this year. And the week before that, they played Arizona. They got stomped 37-20. to They did beat Tampa Bay the week before that. Um, they barely beat Indy by three and then they stomped out the Chicago Bears. The only game in which they beat a team that's any good at football, really, was Tampa. And you could argue Indy. And that was, again, by three points. And if we assume, for example, that occasionally a team is going to beat a team that's better than them, right? We lost to the to the Saints in spectacular fashion. Are the Saints better or the Packers? The Packers are better. Everybody gets a game. And so what I'm looking at here is... If we're allowed to just remove one game from every team, you can do one or two-ish, you know, where it's just kind of fluky, doesn't really give you a good picture. If I choose to take away Tampa, they beat Chicago, they barely beat Indy, they lost to Arizona, they beat Seattle, the Giants, the Lions, and the Texans, and lost to the Titans. They have done nothing but beat up on garbage teams, and they'll probably do it again against San Francisco because they're a garbage team. What happens when they face Green Bay, though? Then they face Jacksonville, garbage team. But then what happens when they face Arizona? Are they going to get stomped out again? Then they face Seattle, and they're going to beat them. Then they face Minnesota. What's going to happen when they face Minnesota, though? Do we know? I don't know. I don't know that that's not more of a fair fight than we think. What about Baltimore? Bottom line is most of these teams are trash. If we look at all the teams that they play that are not very good, Chicago, Indy technically has a losing record. So Indianapolis, uh, Seattle, the Giants, Lions, Texans, 49ers, Jaguars, Seahawks, uh, Vikings, and 49ers. That's 11. 11 of 17 teams have losing records. How many teams have they beaten with winning records? Bears have a losing record. Colts have a losing record. Seahawks have a losing record. Giants, Lions, Texans have a losing record. Tampa Bay is the only team they've beaten with a winning record. So, you know, are, are they a, a good team? I mean, they're 7-2. and two. That's a great record. Um, I don't know that you can be bad and be seven and two, but I think you can be a, for example, a more five and four caliber team that's gone up against trash and has taken care of business against trash. You're a five and four caliber team that has faced a really easy schedule up until this point. Just speculating. Again, they've beaten up all the bad teams and the 49ers are a pretty bad team, so there's no reason to believe that they aren't. but um, it's interesting. Well, you could say the same thing about the Packers. Can you, though? First of all, Arizona. Well, yeah, but everybody gets one. Okay. Cincinnati has a winning record, as does Pittsburgh. And there's almost no doubt in my mind the Packers would have beaten Kansas City had Aaron Rodgers been playing. That's not even super debatable. But, you know, whatever. Just throwing it out there. It's like Josh Spiegel said in my favorite movie, Big Show and Home Style. You don't really know, do you? You don't really know. Anyways, why don't we take a break? If you'd like to support this here podcast, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can join in for as little as $1 per month. If you do it for a buck, you get to join in on all the extra uh, Q&A stuff for the podcast like we're about to do after the break, as well as any kind of polls, which we're also about to do after the... Oh, no, I forgot to do it. Never mind. But sometimes we do polls and you can join in on that. I'll try to remember to do that for tomorrow. At the $2 tier, you get the podcast early and ad-free. I like to post these things... um, Uh, the day before, so you'll be able to listen to that. At the $5 tier, you get some extra bonus content. Today, or yesterday, I guess, I posted, and it was an hour-long video going through two rounds of Green Bay Packers uh, draft. In the first round, we went through every single pick just to kind of get an overview of who these guys are. We pulled up all the—I put on film the the PFF uh, stats and grades and all that, so you get a chance to kind of go through that. Probably start doing that more regularly to get uh, primed up for the draft and whatnot. And then at uh, 10 and up, you've got the Rant Pod private podcast. And as I said, I'm not going to pretend that any podcast is worth $10 a month, but it's just something that I can give back to you guys. Yesterday's topic, and there may be a newer one by the time you listen to this, but yesterday's was Reply All and Bad Reporters. Anyways, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. Oh, the cough will not go away. The the line currently is at three and a half points in favor of the Green Bay Packers. I have not been tracking that, but bear in mind there's still uncertainty at this point about Aaron Rodgers, although it seems likely he will play. I do wonder if and when it becomes official if this bumps up closer to five. I, I it's a tough line to to gauge something. A lot of times I can kind of look at these and you know, more or less say it It sort of makes sense. But it's tough because you don't really know. I don't know what they think of the Seahawks, I guess, is the biggest thing. I, I, You know, if you just look at the Seahawks and their record, compare that to the Packers and what they're able to do with Aaron Rodgers, you would push that probably closer to almost seven. But with Russell Wilson there, I don't know. It is in Lambeau, though. And the general rule, although, again, I've heard that it's completely untrue, the general rule is the home team gets three points. So we're kind of looking at this being relatively close to being even. And I don't know if I buy that. So I, the only reason I bring that up is if you're going to place a bet and you're leaning toward the Packers, you may want to get in early before the news is announced that Rodgers is going to play. If you're waiting because you're worried Jordan Love may start, that's fair. But just understand, um, the line's going to move pretty quickly. By the way, I, I this happened after uh, the break, but um, thanks a lot to Mr. Jake Berger for jumping up on the uh, the uh, $10 per month tier. I appreciate you doing that. Jake's been helping me out with some of the, the breaking news type stuff. Um, as he sees it, he sends it over to me, so that's been a big help for me just to make sure. The, the biggest thing is I just don't want there to be major news that I miss, and he's doing a good job of just kind of making sure if anything significant happens, I at least know about it. But uh, thank you, Jake, for doing that. Anyways, let's check out some of the questions that uh, popped up on the Q&A segment. We'll start off with anything Seahawks-related, because that's kind of the theme of today, and we'll see where that leaves us. Start off with Matthew. Matthew says, What's your outcome for Sunday's game against Seattle with love playing again? I, I, you know, somebody just asked me recently. They sent me a text about this. No, I don't mean Blaine. But they were asking... My thoughts on the game, and I I prefaced it by saying I don't like being overly positive because anything can happen. And anytime anytime you go into a game thinking we're going to smoke them, you know, and then the game is close, you feel disappointed even if you win. It's football; anything can happen, et cetera, et cetera. But all that aside, if if I just look at the variables as they are, I see this as being similar to the Chiefs game, and um, in that Chiefs game. You had a situation, first of all, if Aaron Rodgers plays, it's a blowout. But also, it feels like a game we should have won even with Jordan Love. The Chiefs basically just hinged their entire game plan on one thing. All-out blitz Jordan Love and hope they don't score enough points to win, and somehow that worked. And it almost didn't. Again, if, if maybe I didn't say this on the podcast, I know I said it on Twitter, but if that throw to Devontae is caught for a touchdown instead of an interception... How much does that change everything? What does that change the perspective perspective of everything? I mean, the, the, the theme of the entire game becomes that Jordan Love catches fire late and comes back to beat the Chiefs 14-13. Now, Russell Wilson isn't necessarily struggling the same way uh Pat Mahomes is, but there's they have struggles in some cases worse than the Chiefs do. I don't think I, I know they don't have as good of an offensive line as the Chiefs. Um they have worse pass rushers than the Chiefs. They don't have a tight end, much less Travis Kelsey. So, you know, am I feeling good about it? No. But I feel, you know, with Aaron Rodgers, if we were to put it at the chances of the Packers winning, with Aaron Rodgers, I'm putting it at, you know, 75, closer to 80%. I mean, it just, I feel confident. Um, with Jordan Love, is it 50? Not quite, but 45, maybe. Um, and, and, it's, and it's it's a fifth, it's a 45 from the standpoint of the Packers should win the game, but there's a very good chance they don't anyways because you know there's some serious issues of the Packers not really knowing how to utilize Jordan Love properly. and the fact that they didn't apparently game plan for this uh, according to Jordan Love and I don't know exactly what that means, but it sounds like the game plan is built around, How do we beat the Seahawks with Rodgers as opposed to how do we beat the Seahawks with Love? So for that reason, I would put it at less than 50%, but I do, I would at the very least fully expect Jordan Love to play better. Goose says, if Love has to play Sunday, what do we need to worry about from the Seahawks defense? The one real big benefit about this whole situation, um, and I guess you could technically say it about the Chiefs as well, but this is one of the worst pass rushing units in football. Um, that doesn't really matter when you're talking overload blitzes because it's not about beating somebody, it's just about numbers. We have one extra guy that you can't account for, and so he's going to get home. And so then it becomes a matter of finding a way of... of, Because (laughs) if you're winning in numbers in one area, you're losing in another area because you got the same number of guys on the field, not including the quarterback, technically. But in other words, if, if you're blitzing seven guys or six guys, we have an advantage somewhere. We've got you beat somewhere, and it's just a matter of we have to do a better job of finding that and, and exploiting that. But I really think that's the, the biggest thing is are they going to do what the Chiefs did? And if so, can we overcome that? If not, the biggest thing we need to worry about, honestly, I think it's, it would be the defensive line stopping us from being able to run the ball, which they shouldn't be able to, but if they're able to do that and take that dimension away and we have to put the game in Jordan Love's hands, that just hinders them. I mean, there's no question a run game is going to be a massive help to a young and experienced quarterback, and that has to be going. It doesn't matter which quarterback we're talking about. You need to be able to have a run game. So that would be the biggest thing that I would be concerned about is, you know, they, they use those guys and maybe just stack the box and take the runaway and say, we're going to make you beat, beat us with your arm, which, again, I, I, I think he can do. I, I like our chances of that better than what happened with the Chiefs. Um, everybody wants to know about Love. Uh, Michael Davis says, with the love questions, how effective can our running backs be against their defense if they mimic Kansas City's stack-the-box approach? I don't know why we couldn't because we were running the ball effectively against Kansas City. That's that's the thing that kills me about that whole game is they played to stop the run. I mean, they were, they were blitzing us, so that's not always necessarily stacking the box to stop the run. But either way, if you're stacking the box, you're stacking the box. You should be clogging up every single lane that there is um, even if your intention is more so to get to the quarterback than stop the run, it's still going to be hard to, st- to run against that. you got six, seven, eight guys coming downhill. And we were able to run the ball. So um, how effective can they be? That's really going to be on us because we proved to be a team that can run against the most adverse conditions. Do it again. I'm sorry I answered so many of your guys' questions already. This is from Matt Haig. <laughs> The Packers are getting three and a half points at home against a struggling Seattle team with a potentially rusty Wilson. Seems like a joke. What's your take on why we're only 3.5 points? So as I said, first of all, I think that has something to do with the uncertainty around Aaron Rodgers. I could be wrong. If Rodgers comes back and that doesn't budge, then the only thing I can think is, and again, it's illogical, but I've seen a lot of cases where I understand the line, but it's based on a premise that doesn't make sense. Kansas City, for example. I doubt they're going to be, you know, big time favorites moving forward, considering how lackluster they've been, especially against the Packers in that game where they could not move the ball at all. But I I just think it's, they view Seattle as an aggregate of what Seattle's been over the last two, three years, which is a pretty competent playoff caliber team with one of the top quarterbacks in football. And, um, that's essentially, definitionally, what the Packers are as well. And, and for some reason, Vegas and everybody else has a ton of questions about Green Bay, just always. Like, I don't know. They, they tend to give up games, and they play these weird things once in a while. So I don't really trust Green Bay, which is weird because they've hardly lost any game since Matt LaFleur's been here, especially home games. But um, yeah, I, I think it's right now you have Russell Wilson, who I think you'd say questionably ru- Rusty, Rusty Russell. Without having watched him all season, my understanding via PFF is that he's actually doing quite well. Um, And so they're looking at a Seahawks team with a premier quarterback and um, some scary receiving options against what they presume to be a defense that has had some success, but let's be honest, they're not very good. They don't have good corners, et cetera, et cetera. That's, I'm assuming, their take, not necessarily our take. And an offense that potentially may have Jordan Love. Even if it's like 70-30, that's going to affect the line a little bit. That's my assumption. We'll see what happens when the official news comes through. Uh, Mr. Mark Strickland says, when do you think Bakhtiari will start? I don't know. I mean, they they, they kind of give a, a halfway impression that it seems close. Even the way that they talk about this week, um, even though it was pretty definitive, it was it, it just has a vibe that it's kind of close. I've heard a lot of people speculate that it could be after the buy, but I think they're more so talking about Zadarius. Um I, I'm I'm wondering, I'm wondering if it's going to be. It's just a weird hunch, but I'm just I'm I'm thinking Rams. It, it seems weird because you would think if it's kind of iffy around the Rams, you would just give them the buy to recover. But I, I just have this weird feeling that Minnesota it might be close, but they're going to shut them down. And then L.A. is going to be this big premier game. You know, L.A. is coming off a bye. Of course, they're going to beat uh, the 49ers on Monday because they're, some, they're not a very good team. And so it's going to be a quote-unquote red-hot Rams team, despite the fact that, again, they've beat one good team this entire year. Um, coming to Lambeau Field and Green Bay is going to match that intensity with the return and resurrection of David Bakhtiari. I would like it if he could just come back against Minnesota. That'd be great. I just have this weird hunch that it'll be down to the wire. We're going to make a big deal about it. And then when he gets shut down, we're going to act as though he's been playing all year and we just lost him and it's devastating. Clip this audio because that is going to be this, because you know, you get your expectations up. This is the week. This is the week. This is the week. And then sort of late in the week, he's not ready. He gets shut down. Oh no, the sky is falling. Um, it's a very specific hunch, but it is my hunch. Um, the only question then is, is he'll, will he make it back for the Rams? And I, and I, th- I think it'll be, again, very specific, but um, a lot of people speculate they're not going to play him against the Rams. They'll just wait until after the bye, and he'll actually end up playing against the Rams, and we get excited. How's that for a specific prediction? Since we're kind of doing non-Seahawks questions, I might as well go back to Mr. David Davis. He says, do you think DeGuara has what it takes to replace Tunyon?" Will it, have a, uh, will it have to be a split effort between him and Big Dog? Daphne doesn't seem like much of a receiver, so that leaves him out. I don't think so. I, I think we have one Tunyon on the team. Um, now, DeGuara can fill a role to some degree. I just think he plays a different role. Um, there's also just the, the question of sort of competence. I don't mean overall for, you know, by the end of their careers, which one will be better. Be better. I just mean Tunyon doesn't really seem to be there quite yet. He doesn't have the trust of Aaron Rodgers like Tunyon definitely did. Um, he doesn't have the incredible hands that Tunyon did. But beyond that, it, it's kind of a question of, if I were to think of a comparable question, it would be similar to when MVS went out saying, do you think Amari Rodgers can fill that role? Well, no, because he's not as experienced. He's not really ready to fill that role. And he's just not that guy. He's not an MVS. And it's the same with Tunyon. Tunyon is more of an inline, H-back, fullback type. I think a lot of his receptions are going to be within 10 yards. Probably the majority of those will be near the line of scrimmage. And um, he, he's sort of like, so, so there's three kinds of, of tight ends. you got your big dog tight end, you've got your H-back tight end, and then you've got your you know, guy that's 50% of the time he's in the slot, he's your receiver type. And you know with Tunyon, you got to remember, he's a speed guy. Forget that a lot, but he is. He, he, he can run fast. So he's going to you know, work down the seam. He's going to be stretching the field, all that kind of stuff. Um, and DeGuara is just not really that guy. They might try him once in a while, but I just don't think that's really his role. So I'm excited about Daguara. I like DeGuara. I like how he fits into the system, but I think it's just a different role. Um, and I also think it's going to be some time, if he even ever steps up to be a great or a good tight end, I don't think it'll be any time necessarily real soon. That doesn't mean he won't have a breakout game here and there, but it's not going to be like he's really good just forever now. He's going to have a game where he'll have, you know, four receptions, 52 yards, and a touchdown. It's like, dang, Tanyan, or uh, uh, DeGuaro, what's up with that, dude? And then he'll go back to no receptions. Mr. Aaron Nelson says, In your opinion, would whoever starts at quarterback determine if Bakhtiari returns this week? For example, if Love starts, you would think that they would do everything to protect him, as Seattle would most likely take from the defensive game plan of Kansas City and blitz a lot. Whereas if Rodgers is in, Seattle would most likely relegate to a more coverage-based scheme and there wouldn't be as big of a need to bolster the protection. I get what you're saying. I I still think the answer is no. I think Bakhtiari's return is 100% dependent on Bakhtiari. I don't think they would, under any circumstance, rush him back and risk him being injured again. Um, And I don't think they would hold him out any longer than than they would need to. Um, you, You could also flip that logic and say, would you hold him out because it's love? Um, you know, because it's love. Whereas maybe kind of push him back because Rogers is there and obviously you want to protect him um, because that's more important. And again, even in that sense, it's it's a no. Just just my thought. I understand there are situations where maybe you kind of push it a little bit. You know, he's at 97% instead of 100% or whatever, if that's even a thing. But I, I just think his return is dependent on him, and that's it. Aaron follows that question up with, "Also, I don't feel like googling it. So, what exactly is a seahawk? Is it a real bird, or just something they would uh, they thought would be cool? If it is real, does it have enough air <coughs> coffee? Have enough airspeed velocity to carry a coconut? Appreciate the reference. I don't know, but I'm I'm assuming it's bigger than a swallow, so it could probably handle a coconut. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't really feel like looking it up either. I'm pretty sure I have in the past. My understanding, could be wrong, is that a seahawk is not a specific bird. It's maybe more of a category of a bird, or it's 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 a thing that you could call a seahawk, but its name isn't necessarily like seahawk. Could be wrong. Don't know. Just like you, I don't really care that much. Finally, question from Mr. Andy Monday. He says, in what specific ways... Do our wide receivers match up well against their DBs DBs, and vice versa? What have you seen on film? Well, I have not watched film. I can promise you that. But the matchup generally, as I see it kind of across the board, DJ Reed, as I said, is sort of their number one corner. Um, that's unfortunate for them, but it's, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, he's the guy that is, he's got 4.51 speed, so he's not a speed guy. He's just sort of a lineup and, and take you away. Unfortunately, five foot 9 188. so he's a smaller guy without a lot of speed that's going to be asked to do that kind of a job. Now maybe with the uh, what they may be looking to do is put Sidney Jones out there, if they want to call him the number one guy, he's technically playing worse than DJ Reed is. But he's sort of the second round prospect, um, 447 speed, six foot 181, so he's a little bit bigger. Maybe this is the guy they're going to try to put on Devante. I don't really know. I also don't know how much shuffling around they're planning on doing with their corners in terms of, of maybe matching guys up. Um, but they do have Trey Brown, who is a fourth round pick in uh, 2021. He's sort of their speed guy. Uh, At least that's what I would assume. Maybe if we're highlighting Marquez Valdez-Scantling, they're going to be interested in putting Trey Brown out there. Unfortunately, MVS is faster and Trey Brown is 5'10", 186. They got a lot of smaller guys. So um, we know MVS is pretty big on top of being fast. That's a tough matchup any way you slice it. And even if, that's the other thing, if Trey Brown's going to be out there, I don't know that I don't want Alan Lazard out there. For a couple reasons. Number one, Alan Lazard is just a big, strong, tight end. So he's just going to muscle this 5'10", 186-pound guy. In fact, when you look at their corners, uh, again, DJ Reed, 5'9", 188. If you're putting Sidney Jones on on Devontae, I'm putting Alan Lazard on DJ Reed, and he's just going to bully him all over the yard. 5'9", 188, are you kidding me? I'm just going to, if nothing else, I'll use him as a blocker, and he's going to block him out of existence. Um, their Ugo Amadi is their slot cornerback, 5'9", 201. Um, they've got, again, a lot of smaller guys, even Sydney, who's six foot, he's 181 pounds. That's a small dude, man. So I I don't know that the Packers aren't going to say, you know what, we're just going to bully these guys a little bit and, um, just push them around because they're not, they don't have size, but they also really don't have speed. Um, they've got one guy with a little bit of speed on the outside. And again, that's Trey Brown. Um, they have been playing Trey Brown a lot. He's a, Again, he's kind of a newer guy, so maybe they're just bringing him out there. I don't know if it's because of injuries or what, but um, he played 68 snaps this past game. He played a ton. He got just annihilated, but he played 54 overall grade, 40 run defense, 37 tackling. Again, this is not the kind of guy you want to go against the Packers who are going to be lining up really big, really strong guys to just push you around. Which, by the way, keep an eye on that because these corners— are just not built for that kind of football. In fact, this team just does not seem to be built for big physical football, but especially their corners, really small guys. I don't know why Matt LaFleur wouldn't just want to push these guys all over the place and just talk to guys like Lazard and be like, get ready to play some physical mean football. I'm going to get Mercedes Lewis out in space, run those screens to Mercedes with Alan Lazard and Devontae blocking and watch Mercedes just steamroll whoever happens to be coming free. Jeez. Or just or just flip it out to uh, A.J. Dillon or something. So I mean, it, it really doesn't any way you slice it. I'm trying to figure out the best matchups. And again, I don't know if D.J. Reed isn't the better matchup for Devante, but again, he's so small. Um, I just I don't. Th- there's no good matchup for them. Like, well, why don't you use Alan Lazard instead of MVS because he's so small? Because he's not fast enough to keep up with MVS, and he's too short to be able to do anything to MVS. Dude is six foot four. so uh, you know i don't know man any any matchup you want to do it's advantage packers it really doesn't matter and you know they've they've got a slot guy against randall cobb so you know whatever it is what it is um but again at the end of the day it comes down to you got to win we should win we're faster we're bigger we're stronger more talented there's no reason in any facet of the game we shouldn't be winning but you got to execute that's it Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. Tomorrow, we're just going to have some fun. We're going to make fun of the Seahawks, and uh, that'll be that. But uh, have yourselves a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.